0: tech and health collide on this healthcare episode of Industry Focus. It is Wednesday, February 10th, 2016. Welcome to Industry Refocus. It is Venn Diagram Week, where we're overlapping industries, as I'm sure you've heard if you're a loyal listener of the show. So for today's healthcare edition, I am welcoming Dylan Lewis to the studio with me from the Friday Tech Edition.
1: Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. I have to say I was pretty excited that we got paired up. You know, I mean like we're very good friends, like I figured it'd be fun to do the show together.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be awesome.
1: A lot to talk about in the healthcare and tech space.
0: Yeah, there are so, so many ways that we could have played this show out. But well, I'm excited to uh, pursue the topics that we've chosen to investigate.
1: And plus, you get to actually have someone in studio with you for once.
0: Which is different, yeah. yeah. Todd Campbell, our regular healthcare contributor, is usually on Skype. So, this is interesting. I can like make gestures to you and all.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pick up on some social cues here and there.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> not not my strong suit.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, first thing that we want to talk about for this episode is maybe kind of the, the, the obvious overlap between healthcare and tech. Um, it's something that we've talked about on the healthcare edition before, but I thought it would be awesome to get some more of the tech insight into it. And this topic is, of course, wearables. So, what what do you need to know to understand the space?
1: Yeah. So, a name that we talk about a ton on the tech show, consumer tech company Fitbit. Uh, They are one of the leaders in the wearable space. Uh, By shipments, they are the market leader at the moment, uh, just over 20% market share. Um, And they have those fitness bands that you probably see people all over your office walking around with. Um, Some of them are very minimalistic, kind of the rubber bands with trackers inside. Some of them resemble a little bit more of a smartwatch. Some of their higher functionality products. And just for some of the healthcare listeners that may not be as familiar with them, um, their products range from $60, the ZIP, uh, which tracks steps, distance, calories, active minutes, very basic stuff, up to around $250 for their Surge product, which is all the above, plus GPS tracking, um, splits on runs, things like that, uh, elevation, heart rate, some really advanced metrics there. Uh, And I think that that kind of general spectrum is pretty representative of what you'd expect for the wearable space.
0: So looking at this from a healthcare perspective, the thing that comes to my mind as a huge opportunity is the data behind that and how you could use that kind of in the same way as, for example, some car insurers will give you a little device that tracks whether or not you're a good driver. Like, Could you take a wearable device, use it to track whether you work out or you say how much sleep you're getting, all these variables that you know play a big role role in your general health, and then look at that from an insurer standpoint and get discounts or be able to better match up products. Is there, are there companies that are working on this?
1: Yeah. So, right now, a lot of the data interaction we're seeing is with individuals, right? So, you're tracking I mean, you're a Fitbit user, right? I was. Or was. Uh, so, you're, you're part of the people that are having it collect dust in a drawer somewhere. Yeah, I'm one of the sheep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of the problems with Fitbit. Um, but a lot of the data interaction right now is individuals. And so, they are tracking what they're doing on a daily basis. They're maybe tracking how they stack up against their friends, things like that. Um, But, we're not really seeing large institutions make use of that data. And, obviously, the immediate connection we have when we're talking about people's health habits, things like that, is health insurance, right? Uh, And kind of the lead-in for the show was this quote uh, from an interview that Fitbit CEO James Park did with Jim Cramer. This was in December. And Kramer had asked about the potential for health insurers uh, to integrate these fitness trackers into their plans in some way or another. And uh, Park said uh, that is the holy grail of this category, meaning fitness wearables. Um, And it's going to happen. When it happens, that is going to be a huge inflection point for the business. And so this is obviously something that he is very interested in, I think. Uh, We can get into this a little bit on the show, but I think insurers are particularly interested in having some more advanced health metrics on their uh, plan participants, and so it could be one of those awesome cases where it's a win-win for consumers and businesses.
0: Yeah, this to me screams opportunity, particularly as insurers have struggled under Obamacare to find profitability. When United Health Group reported that they took a huge loss on Obamacare plans, and mind you, this is the biggest health insurer out there. They estimated a $425 million loss on the Obamacare exchanges in 2015, mostly just because their actuaries must have kind of messed up, where the pricing wasn't quite reflective of the actual needs of the population that they were serving. So you have to wonder, if you have better data and you have better understanding of the people that you're trying to serve can you get a better price point and thus be able to meet those really tight margins that a lot of insurers are facing?
1: Mm-hmm. And even if it's a minor behavioral tweak, these kind of programs can get people thinking a little bit more about you know running once a week or something like that, or just being a little bit more health-minded, and that will obviously trickle up to uh, some of the insurers. So, uh, first talking about this, I thought it'd be interesting to talk... First, about uh, John Hancock and what they did on the life insurance side of things. Obviously, a little bit different, a little bit more of a financials take. But, um, in searching around and just getting some background on this, uh, they're one of the immediate insurers that popped up.
0: It is Remix Week, after all. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, why not? We want to bring in oil, too. We can talk about (laughs) that.
0: We can try. (laughs)
1: Um, So, uh, John Hancock has their Vitality program. Uh, Vitality is um, kind of this Employee health performance type uh, business. They're based out of South Africa, I believe. Um, and they work in kind of like promoting healthy um, initiatives for employees and lay consumers. And so basically, the way John Hancock's program works is uh, you sign up, you take this health review, um, they issue kind of like these goals based on your current level of activity and, you know, kind of the various levels that they aspire for people to reach. Um, and then they send you a free Fitbit. And so they track your fitness activity. you earn points for doing certain things like going for a run. Uh, I think actually like getting a health checkup is another thing that you can get points for, uh, and then those points can be redeemed for travel rewards, uh, gift cards, you know discounts, things like that um, and Based on those levels that you achieve, uh, you can be eligible for premium discounts uh, in future policy years, which is kind of cool. Um, and by participating, um, you start out paying premiums at roughly like a 9% discount, which is pretty cool. Uh, that will shift down, I think, by about 30 basis points for every year that you're active. So, um, a pretty awesome, I think, deal for people that are in the life insurance game. Uh,
0: yep, that's huge, 9%. Uh, yeah.
1: And I know that Hancock was kind of using it to stoke interest in life insurance. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are not participating as actively as they have been in the past. And so, um, that, that was kind of the impetus there. But looking a little bit more on the healthcare side, uh, Humana, one of the Health insurers, this is you can speak a little bit more to, has rolled out something similar, though it doesn't have all the rewards for participants that um, this John Hancock offering does.
0: Yeah, but they are also working with Vitality for something called Humana Vitality. It's a shocking name. Yeah. Um, so essentially, this is something that Humana is using in a lot of their different plans. Um, interestingly, not any of the government plans, so not the Humana Medicare members, but it's included as a program with all of the commercial members' medical plans. So if you sign up for the plan, then all of a sudden uh, the businesses can save up to 10% for having their staff reach a certain level of achievement with their different metrics that they're tracking. And it's kind of speculation whether or not that actually trickles down to employee savings, Mm -hmm. but you'd have to think that if you're an employer that wants to have their employees actively targeting, say, 10,000 steps a day, or whatever the different uh, numbers are that they're looking at you would probably incentivize them so that you then can receive that 10% discount. So it kind of seems like a win-win.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, that might that trickle down might manifest itself in a couple different ways um like we were talking about before the show. It could be that there are employer programs in place where getting certain levels gets you gift cards and they handle it that way. It could be that they choose to lower premiums or, you know, are able to find better rates for people and um kind of pass that subsidy down. So, a couple different ways to approach it. Um, I think one of the beauties of this, and something we alluded to earlier, is that it is a win-win. It seems like uh, it's something that benefits both sides, kind of aligns incentives. And so, um, obviously, some of the pros here, if you are a user, um, you're saving money, and you're encouraged to live a healthier life, which is pretty awesome. Uh, And for the insurers, you're getting way better data. Uh, Your incentives for people being healthier, making better choices, perhaps not smoking or going Mm -hmm. to the gym more often, uh, those incentives are aligned with what benefits the plan. so Mm -hmm. Theoretically, it should be good for the business. Um,
0: I feel like there's a but coming.
1: (laughs) There's definitely some buts. Uh, I think also, one last pro I'll say for insurers, uh, it probably makes insurance, given that it can reduce costs, a little bit more appealing for people that are younger and healthier. Kind of gets rid of that attitude of, oh man, like I'm totally subsidizing the older, possibly out of shape or ill people mm-hmm. that are also participating in this plan. That said, some cons to deal with. Uh, so for users, uh, you're not really saving that much money if you're looking at John Hancock's side of things. Um, so it's not a perfect parallel looking at life insurance and health insurance, or like you've talked about before, like auto insurance and the black boxes that look at the you know, diagnostics on a dash. Um, I think most life insurance premiums. This will probably wind up saving you under one hundred bucks, like somewhere around eighty bucks, ninety bucks. I mean, you get a free Fitbit, which is pretty cool. So, you know, figure that. Run that over the two years or three years. Maybe they issue a new one. Um, You know, the total value of this isn't overwhelming, and there is definitely a trade-off there, where you are providing pretty detailed behavioral data about yourself to a major company. Um, You know, I am sure that there are agreements in place that they are not going to sell that data or do anything like that. But um, you know, you are just exposing yourself to More digital issues. And, uh, you know, I guess on the con side for some of the insurers, similarly, uh, major cybersecurity issues. So, um, you know, uh, these insurers already have very robust personal information, you know, social security numbers, residents, you probably know more than I do, but uh, birthdays, things like that. and that's something that people are very accustomed to giving already. But this is kind of a different level of data. You know, it's much more behavioral pattern. You know, it will know that you go to the gym every Tuesday from 6 to 8 and every Thursday from 7 to 10, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a long uh, gym sesh. It's a very long gym sesh. But if you're only going twice a week. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's just a different type of comfort that, um, you know, consumers would have to have with providing information.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Right now, it is all pretty voluntary, whether you want to be a part of these programs and save a little bit of money. But then the question becomes, if you do sign up for it, how exactly is your data going to be protected? And This is something that I want to talk about on the second half of the show. But before we move on to that, I just want to throw it out there for our listeners that we've got a great special offer going on to join the Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter. This is our flagship stock-picking newsletter for all listeners of the show. So, you'll have a special access discount to Stock Advisor that works out to being $129 for a full two-year subscription. So, to take advantage of it, just go to focus.fool.com. And with that, let's hear a little bit about some cybersecurity.
1: Yeah. So, uh, as I understand it, the healthcare field has run into some cybersecurity issues recently. I mean, I know being in the tech and CG space a little bit more, you talk about names like Target or Sony. Uh, they've been huge, huge targets for cybersecurity, and they've run into some major issues. Um, there have been plenty of other names in the past. Uh, I think one healthcare provider recently made pretty big headlines for a cyber issue.
0: Yeah, this was in February of 2015. Uh, Health insurer Anthem was hacked, and interestingly, it wasn't quite health-related information that was breached. Uh, it was. Names and email addresses and birthdays, social security numbers. So yes, that's not good. Yeah. Um. But it hit a lot, a lot of people. So initially, when the news came out, they said that 40 million current customers were affected. They revised that to then say 80 million because also previous customers were going to be affected. Okay. And so this is kind of a huge deal. And in the company's reaction to the event, because it was a very public thing. Uh, you had representatives for the company say, you know, we weren't doing anything that's not common practice for the industry as far as encryption goes. So when you look at the HIPAA standards for insurers and for the whole healthcare field, it turns out that they only recommend using encryption data for data. Like recommend, not require. So, it's recommended to use if it's an important measure to mitigate risk, which kind of seems like, duh, of course it's an important (laughs) measure, but it's actually just more of a guideline than a requirement. The only time that you're required to have encryption is when you're moving the data. So, when it's just static and in one place, I guess it doesn't need to be encrypted. Um, so, you know, who knows if that's ever going to change, but there are some pretty outrageous fees for if you run into trouble with that. So, I mean, one would think that these companies do have a pretty big incentive to get their data encrypted, but it's a humongous task. I mean, I don't know a ton about the tech space, but it seems like there's a huge market for this.
1: Yeah. Uh, the cybersecurity space is like very nuanced, and we'll try to do like kind of just a broad brushstroke kind of look at things. But, um, there are a whole different uh, bunch of different elements that go into it. But um, I think, kind of, case in point with a company that is very relevant right now in cybersecurity is um, the company that responded to the issues that Anthem had. Uh, so, uh, Mandiant, uh, which is a division of FireEye, a publicly traded company, uh, was the one that was hired to investigate their issues. And so, uh, this is very common for FireEye. They come in quite often for postmortems on cybersecurity problems. Um, I believe they were also the ones that investigated a major attack uh, in the healthcare industry. It was maybe like a hospital provider or operator. Um, Community health. Right, mm. right, right. And so, um, you know, this is only part of their business for FireEye. They do also active monitoring and securing. Um, And some of the things that they specialize in, and one of the reasons that just I'm super bullish on the cybersecurity space in general is it's very difficult to go more than, I think, a quarter without hearing about some major company or healthcare provider or Mm -hmm. whatever uh, running into some sort of leak issue. It happens. um, These companies are becoming larger and larger targets because there's this treasure trove of very sensitive information that they have, whether they're doing credit card processing or they're doing healthcare records. Either way, uh, it's very easy to take that kind of thing and steal someone's identity. Right. So So
0: With FireEye, I don't know a whole lot about the company. What exactly is their business? They just they come in after a big breach and they say, "Hey, you screwed up in these four ways. Fix it. Do better."
1: Yeah, uh, their their postmortem stuff is very much like kind of like digital forensics. It's like, "Hey, this is what happened. This is what run, went wrong. Here were your vulnerabilities, and um, we're going to help you fix them." Right, mm-hmm. and so it, it's kind of diagnost- diagnostic, looking back, and that's a big part of their business, it's consulting. And you will see almost any time there's a major breach. They get called. You'll see. You'll see the press releases mm-hmm. like, "Oh, you know, Anthem experienced this, yada yada yada." And then down at the bottom, it's like they brought in FireEye for you know postmortem consulting, um, and you know to diagnose what, what the issues were. So that's part of their business. They also do ongoing monitoring, and I think that that's where you are going to continue to see the market can just grow. I mean, uh, there the- is
0: such a parallel there to the healthcare industry and preventive care
1: yep exactly. no that, that that's a perfect way to put it. Um why expose yourself to these huge liabilities um that these data breaches pose? when you can pay someone on a subscription basis to make sure that you're like Fort Knox locked Mm -hmm. down and don't run into any issues. And
0: that's recurring revenue, too. So, that's going to be to FireEye's advantage.
1: Yeah. And that's something that they're moving towards. Um, A lot of their business now is not set up that way, but they are trying to build out that segment. Um, So, on the monitoring side, uh, they kind of specialize in day zero attacks. And basically, these are vulnerabilities that are not previously known. So, they can't be thwarted right like that's the problem Mm -hmm. and so they are doing it on a proactive basis basically uh using test environments and virtual machines to try to find these vulnerabilities and then patch them before they become issues that other people discover so it's it's beating the bad guys to being the bad guys right um so that's one of the things they do. Uh, I think one of the awesome things that, and one of the reasons that I'm personally a shareholder, uh, is they enjoy a unique certification um, that no other tech safety firms currently do. Uh, and this is just from a press release. I think it's just kind of underscores how strong they are and. Um, you know why it's so important to the business. Uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security has certified FireEye's multi-vector virtual execution engine and dynamic threat intelligence cloud pat- platform under the Safety Act. Uh, certification is the highest level of liability protection available under the Safety Act. Customers of these certified FireEye technologies now have protection under the Safety Act from lawsuits or claims alleging failure of the technologies to prevent or mitigate an act of cyber terrorism. FireEye, FireEye is the only cybersecurity company with products, technologies, or services certified under the Safety Act.
0: Wow! So they're blowing the competition out of the water. Yeah, is what I'm hearing.
1: They are an industry leader for sure. Um, they are a little bit more of an upstart than some of the other more entrenched incumbents. Um, uh, some other names to look at uh, if you're looking for people that have been around a little bit longer. Uh, Checkpoint Software, uh, is a great place to start. Um, they, they've been around a little bit longer. Their cash flows are much more stable. Um, FireEye is in kind of explosive growth phase. They look very expensive to people that might be a little bit more value-oriented. So keep in mind. Um, another name to look at in cybersecurity, Palo Alto Networks, um, Symantec, things like that.
0: That seems like an industry that holds a lot of promise for maybe several players.
1: Yeah, I, I think that there are um, several niches that a bunch of different people can operate in. Because the reality is um, there are so many different ways to come at a network. And uh, you know it's really tough to be the go-to for all of them.
0: And as always, we've got coverage on all of these companies on fool.com, So mm-hmm. be sure to check that out for more information from all of our great contributors on both the tech side and the healthcare side and all of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dylan, thanks so much for being here. This is a really fun show to do.
1: Hopefully, we'll get to do it again.
0: Yeah. Um, so, folks, let us know. Did you like Remix Week? Um, are there any middle of the Venn diagram sections that we missed that you'd like to see us cover? Shoot us an email, industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell based solely on what you hear. Do your own research. Thanks so much for listening, and Fool on!